Hi, this is Pastor Tom, and I want to welcome you to our study of the book of Matthew. We're in week four of that study, day one of that week, and we're going to be looking at chapter five this week. Remember, I told you last week together that we were going to take two weeks each on chapters five, six, and seven, the Sermon on the Mount. Even that won't be enough. This amazing, greatest sermon ever preached, this message of Jesus to our hearts and lives. As we've been walking through the book of Matthew, we've talked together about the fact that the story of Jesus is to become the story of our lives. And as we look through the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to be reminded that the teaching of Jesus is to become the truth of our lives. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 1 and 2, Now when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, And then there's this incredible message that rolls out, the Sermon on the Mount. Now, as we walk through this, I want to help you to think through it in maybe a distinctive way, a different way. In this sermon, Jesus is going to talk about your life, how to live life, how to live the kind of life that he's made for you to live, how to live with the kind of joy he wants you to have, the kind of relationships that he wants you to have, the kind of attitudes that he wants you to have. So in many ways, I've always liked to call the Sermon on the Mount Jesus' Life Management Seminar. Today, a lot of people teach life management seminars. Here's how to do it. Here's what to do. Well, Jesus is the one who knows. He's the one who knows. And as he teaches us how to live life in the Sermon on the Mount, he begins with the truth for all of us, the truth that the management of life begins with the management of your attitudes. In your life, intelligence and emotion, those are the motors of your life, the things that keep you running, then attitudes are the gas, And everybody knows you can have the greatest motor in the world, but if you've got no gas, you're not going anywhere. And this is why some people in life who have the greatest intellect aren't that successful or even destructive sometimes because they don't have the attitude. They don't have the right attitude. These are the B attitudes we're going to be talking about that Jesus shared with us. And if you want to just play with the English in it, they are literally the B attitudes. They are the ways that we're supposed to think. Now, actually, the word beatitude means blessings. And this is how to live with blessing, how to have a healthy heart, how to have an inner peace, how to have a positive direction in life. Blessedness, living with God's blessedness, makes you truly happy. Not temporarily happy, not happy in the world's way, but truly happy about life. Now, we're not going to look at all of these today. We're going to look at them throughout this week. But I want to begin by reading these blessings of Jesus, these beatitudes of Jesus. Beginning in verse 3, Blessed, Jesus said, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those are Jesus' beatitudes. Those are Jesus' definitions of the kind of attitude you and I are to live with in everyday life. And we're going to walk through these together this week. Beginning with verse 3, where Jesus says to us, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So the first of these be attitudes is be poor. Be poor, Jesus said. Be poor in spirit. And as we begin to look at what Jesus taught us here, a question behind this you might have in your mind is, how do you respond in your life to your feelings of inadequacy? How do you respond in those moments when you feel like, I may not 
measure up, or I'm not feeling like I'm measuring up. Some people respond with anger. Some people respond by being resigned to defeat. A lot of people respond with fear. Some people respond with overwork. But Jesus said, here's how I want you to respond. Respond by knowing that you're poor in spirit. Now, when he talks about being poor in spirit here, he uses a very strong word for poor. It's the idea of somebody who is begging and bowing to get what they do not have on their own. And Jesus says, I want you to give you a new way of thinking. When you feel like you're inadequate, here's an idea. Just admit that you are. Just admit that you don't have what it takes because we don't without God. Now, he's given us a lot. God has created us wonderfully. He's given us a wonderful mind, wonderful emotions, wonderful direction in life, wonderful abilities and skills. But to be all that he wants us to be, the only way to do it is with his strength. And the only way to get to God's strength is to be poor in spirit. When you're poor in spirit, then you open up your life to his riches. It's an attitude of depending on God that results in real victory in life. I was reading back this week in some quiet time notes of mine from several years ago on this particular verse. And I wrote in those notes that day, Lord, I feel the temptation to get stuck on negative feelings about myself these last few days. Instead of trying to build myself up and make myself feel better about myself, this verse invites me to take a different path. Just admit, I certainly am poor in spirit, as we all are without you, and glory in the fact that you desire to meet my needs and will meet those needs in ways beyond what I can see in the here and now as I turn to you. So what I'm saying to you is, The first step to happiness is to be humble. The first attitude is this attitude of humility. To depend on God, you have to be humble. If you're depending on yourself for everything, you're not humble. You may talk quietly. You may be real nice to everybody. But if you're depending on yourself for everything, you're not humble. You think you can do it all, but God made you to depend on him. Humility and happiness, they go together. And if you want to have lasting happiness, You have to learn to be humble. Now, how does this work? How does humility increase my happiness? Well, humility reduces stress because I realize I'm doing it in relationship with God. Humility improves my relationships because all of a sudden I'm working with other people rather than against other people or above other people. And humility releases God's power in my life. So that's the first attitude. That's where you start. This attitude of be poor, this attitude of humility, this attitude of depend on God. And then in verse 4, Jesus says, here's a second attitude to live life with, if you really want to have the right attitude toward life. Verse 4, he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So the second thing Jesus teaches us is be sad. Be sad. The truth is, happy people have learned to cry. Because what does it mean to be mournful in your life, to have this attitude? Well, to mourn is is to have honesty in the face of tragedy. Not to escape, not to pretend, but to be honest. This hurts. This makes me sad. For many of us, trying to keep up a front that everything's okay, that's what's holding you back. You need to just mourn. You need to mourn the hurt that's come into your life or somebody else's life. You cannot manage the hurts of life by holding them in or by hiding from them. You have to be honest about them. Until you admit the hurt, you can't heal of the hurt. Now, the thing that if I look at my own life and many people I know that I'm often trying to do most is to avoid God's path to real comfort. He says, if you mourn, you'll be comforted. But the truth is, I don't want to feel bad. I don't want to feel bad about this world. I don't want to feel bad about my faults. I don't want to feel bad about the hard work I have to do. I don't want to feel bad about having to break that habit. I just want to feel good as soon as possible. And if we take that path, 
our path to comfort and hope, well, you just write down the word escape. It's drugs and alcohol, it's gambling, it's shopping, it's sex, it's entertainment, it's self-pity, it's anger, it's food, it's work, it's whatever you want to put in that, in that box of I'll escape as quick as I can to my role of my place of comfort. All the things that I think will give me comfort, they only give me momentary escape, no comfort. And they often leave me addicted to that thing, trying to get out of that thing what it cannot give, going back to it again and again and again and again. And the truth of the matter is, even if it seems to be working for you, many of us have discovered that a comfortable life will not comfort your soul. It can look good on the outside, but you know what's missing on the inside. So God says, I have this different path to comfort and hope. Mourn. Be honest about the fact that there are hurts in this world and hurts in your life because of your sin, because of this sinful world, because of what others have done to you and what you have done to others. God's path to comfort and hope realizes that I must feel worse many times in order to get better because I've got to be honest about my sin. I don't feel good about that, but when I'm honest with God about it, then the joy comes. God's path to comfort and hope realizes that I must feel grief in order to experience joy. If I try to pretend that the grief isn't real, then I don't open myself up to the joy that God has to give. And God's path to comfort and hope realizes that I must feel weak in order to receive God's power. That when I realize how weak I am, I've got a lot of strengths, you have a lot of strengths, but when I realize when it comes to eternity, when it comes to all that God wants me to be, all who, of who God is, I feel weak in light of that. And in light of that weakness, then I'm open to God's power. So what we're seeing here is that Jesus, in many ways, he turns happiness upside down. The deepest happiness, the deepest blessings in life comes sometimes from the things that I don't want to be a part of my life, the things that I would never choose for my life. It's not just a matter of having bad things happen. It's your attitude. It's a matter of choosing to mourn. It's not just a matter of you not having all that it takes sometimes. It's a matter of attitude. It's a matter of choosing to realize I'm poor in spirit. I need you, God. This world does not hold all of the hope that I need. And so where do I look? I look to God for comfort. I look to God for hope. Let's take a minute to pray together. Let's look to him. Lord, the truth is we don't always want to mourn, but we do want to be comforted. And more often than we want to admit, mourning is the only path to true comfort. So help us to be willing to be sad about our sin, about this world, about the hurts around us but not just sad, but help us to bring those sadnesses, that mourning to you, and in that to find your comfort. And Lord, when it comes to who we are, help us to realize that we are poor in spirit. And we come to you as beggars. We need you. We need your strength. And you're willing to give it. You've promised to give it. So we depend on you. We do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Join us tomorrow. We're going to continue to learn from Jesus how to be truly blessed. <music> 